Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the full 40. It's Chris and Rob brought to you by Nova Insider. And unfortunately, we lost. The season's over, etc. But we're here. Give you a little bit of that good feeling, the good juju. Get it back next year, etc. The whole nine years. But this is... This is going to be titled, Rob and I discussed at length what we're going to talk about here. We've talked about the season. We've talked about a lot of different things. And this is going to be titled, The Unwritten Season. To be clear, this is very much inspired by the Natasha Benningfield hit, <laughs> Yes, Unwritten. Yes. So, if you don't know the song... You should listen. Go pause the podcast. Go listen to Unwritten by Natasha Benningfield. And, and then come back. Feel the rain on your skin. <laughs> oh, so it's so bad. good. It's so good. Yeah. But in all seriousness, we kept going over every bit and part of this season. From from JQ to to the seniors graduating to um, to the to the players who are still coming into the program. To Tim Delaney transfer. Yeah, to all of this stuff, to the big east, to everything. And it's just like what's the story of this season? And well, we came back I to can't one. Tell you. We don't know. <laughs> the story of this season is going to be written after some time has elapsed, and we can go back and say, "Okay, what happened?" Yeah. Well, we'll do our best here, but we're letting you know now. We're gonna we're not gonna bury the lead here. the The, the lead is that it's unwritten. We have more questions than answers. And I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. It could be taken to mean as a sign of hope. It could yeah, be taken absolutely. To mean it, it, it's, it's kind of what you make of it, and we just don't know what it's going to end up being later. For sure, for sure. No, it's like the first part of a of a long SVU episode that's got a couple parts into it. Yeah, absolutely. As, as Chris would Chris would enjoy. Yes, definitely. It's yeah. like the Thanos snap. Yes. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Endgame. We got we got to see Endgame. Infinity War was just was just the first part. Yeah. Now we're in Endgame. We're now in the Endgame. We got to see what's going to happen. So let's get into it. Yeah. So the first thing we're going to do is talk about the game and the weekend, etc. One versus St. Mary's, which was. A nice win. Yeah. And lost, obviously, got obliterated by Purdue. And I guess we got to start with kind of that, is what the fuck happened in that Purdue game? Carson Edwards happened. Yeah. Let's, let's answer the question. Yeah. Carson Edwards happened. Carson Edwards happened, and also, I nicknamed him Karma Edwards. Ooh. Happened. Ooh, that's so good. That's <laughs> so, it's so true. Yes. Because absolutely, what happened to us on Saturday was what we did to every single team last year. Yeah, and frankly, what we've been doing to teams for years. Yeah, and Jay even pointed it out in, in the post game. Look, you do that long enough, you eventually, somebody comes around and they Creighton you. Yes. And and we got a Creighton. We got obliterated. Now that being said, digging a little bit deeper, from the very beginning of the game, they made their first three-point bucket, and I'm like, shouldn't the game plan have been to almost like never let Carson Edwards get open and shoot yeah. a three-pointer. Yeah. And we let him like wide open. And then it was just like, well, you open up the floodgates from there. And I think the first one was, I want to say it was, he got us a good screen and Bay didn't quite fight through it. And yeah, he just had an open look. Right. And it went in. And it went in. And I got to say, we were watching the game together and my first thought was, you know what? 
Buddy Heald made his first three as well and made nothing after that. And that's what I thought was going to happen. That's not the case. No, 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 <laughs> Unfortunately. No, no. no, definitely not. And, and then what happened, I mean, like, I, I hate to boil it down to that, but it was kind of that. And then you saw a team that is very well coached in Purdue with the right personnel executing on perfectly on a game plan. And us, I think we had a good game plan in place because I just trust that Jay did. I just think that we just got out of sorts early and then had to over yeah overdo it and then got totally screwed. I don't think it was the wrong game plan because at the end of the day, yes, the first three that Edwards made, we left him open. For the most part after that, he had a hand in his face on almost every shot and he was just knocking him down from four and five feet behind the line. It was one of those where he's just not going to miss yes. no matter what you do. Yeah. So, yes, the game plan could have been stronger, and we can get into Harms was wide open, and there were so many miss switches well, that's what we had to lose. We, we had to leave all our guys, so we went to guard the three-point line, and then you're leaving a seven-footer open in the middle of the lane, and when you have no one on him, what he's going to do, he's going to get automatic dunks. Yeah, absolutely. And then there were, to that point then... We couldn't finish out possessions. Harms being seven foot three absolutely helped. He literally just towered over our guys. I don't know how many offensive rebounds they picked up, yeah. but they were killing us on the boards. Yeah. Anytime we tried to fight back, we just couldn't close. To your point, we couldn't close out a possession and get the job done and get back on offense and try and score and tighten the game. Yeah, there was a couple of moments in there where you thought, okay. We're gonna make this happen now. You get you get the clank off the rim, yep. and you're thinking for just a split second, okay, now we're gonna get it. We're gonna get back there. We're gonna hit a three of our own, and this is gonna be a couple point game. And boom, it just didn't happen. It just never happened. Yeah, the shots didn't quite fall, and totally out of sorts. And by halftime, it was funny. I remember partway through the first half, I was thinking, and we were talking about, okay, let's make sure it's it's single digits. By halftime, and then you're getting close to halftime, you're like, oh, God, let's just keep it somewhat of a game at that point. And, I mean, yeah. I was super cocky coming into this game. If so, we were all. Because we didn't talk about this on the last podcast, but Edwards had been in an absolute cold spell for basically six weeks prior to this game. And the game just before this, he had shot 7 for 23 Absolutely terrible. Right. Ryan Klein was one for eleven yes. in their first game. Atrocious. They looked like crap. They looked yeah, and they, they still won by thirteen because they were playing Old Dominion. So yeah. who cares? But they were not a great team. And had we played that team, we probably would have won. Yeah, we had a chance. But I mean, look, they just shot the doors off, and some days you just get you just get stopped. Yeah, and that. candidly. I'd rather the way we lost then than the way like UCF lost to Duke. Oh God! Yeah, I mean, I gotta say yeah, we were... had my heart ripped out at the last possible second. At this time now, it was like a slow surgery, and I was just like, okay, by the end of it, I just don't have a heart anymore, and we're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fifteen minutes left in the game, I was kind of like, okay, this isn't gonna happen. I can start the processing versus NC State versus Wisconsin. Absolutely soul crushing after those. This one, I said, look, guys. It was a run. We thought the ceiling was a sweet 16. You ran into an immovable force tonight. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Let's and you felt like this team also, both by seed lines and by expectations, by the time you get through their season, about achieved 
what they should have achieved. Yeah. And like we talked about in the last one, seeing the Big East Championship with Phil and with Eric, how excited they were. They knew that was likely their last trophy they were taking home, and I was okay with it. Yeah. I do want to compliment, like, the St. Mary's game, I thought was a well-done game plan. Like, that team beat Gonzaga before us, and, like, yes, we should have won the game, obviously. But it was actually a lot, like, when you first came out, you said, ah, Villanova's definitely going to win. And then as the week progressed, people looked closer and closer at the statistics. Yeah. And the statistics said St. Mary's and Villanova was actually like a a coin flip. Yeah. and Which is super weird. And and. The game ended, I think we won by four or five or yeah. whatever. But it was at eight, nine, ten. We just had a little bit of trouble closing out at the at the very end. But that game was an eight, nine point game. Like we played pretty well and had a good game plan and beat a good team. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was good to see that that one end the way it did. A quick note on that game, by the way. So I went up for the game and I want to spend a minute and just bash both the NCAA and the XL Center in Hartford. Because what happened was an absolute crime. So we paid good money for our tickets. Ticket prices came down plenty, so we didn't pay a fortune, right? We take our, what ended up to be a three and a half hour drive up to Hartford for round one. New York City traffic was a bitch. But anyway, we get up there. We're like, hey, game's going to be delayed because the prior games, the prior sessions ran long. Felt okay with it. So we see everything. It says 7.45 start time. We're thinking... There's no way. They've got to clear the stadium. They've got to get people back in. So me and a couple buddies who were who went up there, um, we decided, all right, look, we don't want to be late. So we went over to the stadium, to the entrance, probably 7.30. Hundreds, no, thousands, literally there are thousands of people waiting to get inside the stadium. At 7.30, they had not opened the stadium. Right. The tip is at 7.45. We're sitting there thinking, there's no way they're going to start on time. Nobody's in the seats. <laughs> and then I text you guys, hey, we're starting. Yeah, I'm getting text from you. I'm getting text from my dad. My dad's like, hey, uh, it doesn't look like anybody's in the stadium. I'm like, yeah, because they're not. <laughs> they're not here. So huge fault for the NCAA for actually, I think they only budgeted basically an hour for the XL Center to empty the stadium and get everybody back in between sessions. So I didn't get to my seat until about... Five minutes of the game had passed, and we were some of the first people in the doors. Right. Which was nuts. It's crazy because it's like, like if you're going to run the 7 o'clock, like basically almost one of the opening tips of the 7 o'clock yeah. session, you have to be the noon start yeah. in the afternoon session. Yeah. And like, I get how the pods work, but it's like... This isn't a new concept. No. To be clear, no. they've run this for a long time. Right. It's insane. And then a quick note on the Excel Center for their incompetence, because I won't fault them for the short time between games. I will, however, fault their concessions managers. I walk up there, we get inside, I say, hey, I need three orders of chicken fingers, a couple drinks, couple Cokes, couple beers, whatever. They say, oh, chicken fingers, that's going to be a 20-minute wait. I'm like... Excuse me? There are two people in front of me in line. Like, did you not think anybody was going to order chicken fingers in the next round? <laughs> All right, enough side note on uh, that. That's that's that. We got to get we got to get to the rest of everything. So, one quick more note: who you're rooting for in the NCAA's now? Got, there's no Big East teams. To no, be- good God, we'll get to that later. I'm rooting for Virginia for a couple reasons. One, my brother went there. Two, I almost went there. Three. 
I feel a little bit of a camaraderie with Virginia yeah, in I that I feel like they're kind of a similar type of team and where we were a few years ago, so I want to see them succeed. Yeah. So that's my pick. Uh, I would probably say UVA is probably on the top of my list. I would also throw out Gonzaga. Okay. I hate that, like... Tony Bennett and Gonzaga, sorry, Tony Bennett and UVA and Mark Few and Gonzaga get this like reputation of being like choke artists or like. Uh, we've got that reputation before. Yeah, I know. But it's just like bullshit. Yeah. And I really hope that they make it all the way. It would love a UVA Gonzaga final. Hey, here's an idea. I don't know if anybody's ever thought of this. Do you think we could take back UVA? And take Gonzaga into the Big East. I think those are two good teams to add. Boom. Boom. Oh, solved it. Problem Big solved. East expansion. Moving yep. on. Yeah, done. So killed a lot of birds at one stone. <laughs> we are a wide-ranging podcast today. Yeah. All right. So we said we announced up front the lead was that it's unwritten. And I, yeah. what I want to talk about is, and this is going to take up the majority of the podcast, I think, is I want to talk about where this season fits in – Jay Wright's era of Villanova basketball, mm. which is now 18 years, yeah, a long storied run that he's had, um, replete with national championships, Final Fours, Elite Eights, the whole nine yards, Big East championships, Coach of the Year, first round draft picks. Jay's had it all. So where does this team season, etc., fit? And I said up front, and I said it again, we're going to get back to unwritten, mm. but. I want to talk about why. And so one of the exercises Rob and I did before we got on the podcast was to lay out all of Jay's results. So we're focusing on Jay's years because it's relevant to college basketball now. It's the Ken Palm era, essentially. It actually ties in actually pretty nicely with what called the Ken Palm era. This is the modern Villanova era. The modern Villanova era of all college basketball, not just Jay Wright. Jay's just happened to line up pretty nicely with that. Absolutely. Jay brought about the modern era of college basketball. Boom. Heard it here first. Boom. There you go. I think they should put that on his his nameplate when he goes in the Hall of Fame. Right. Father of the modern era. (laughs) I like it. I like it. So... What we did is we laid out all of Jay's 18 seasons. I'm not going to go into great detail, right? Please don't. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we, we looked at their records. We looked at their tournament results to the extent there was tournament results. We looked at their seeds. We looked at their Big East results. We looked at who was on the team, whatever. We looked at a lot of different things, and we boiled this down to figure out, okay, where does the 18-19 team fall out in Jay's history yeah just to make a long story short here what we got to is pretty much down the middle of jared this is probably as we're sitting here today an average jay wright season which you gotta step back and say as a fan that's pretty that's a pretty good average season yes i'll take that yeah yeah you won the biggies regular season and tournament yeah you won your turkey tournament you failed to win the Big Five, which is not great, right? Alas. But made it to the round of 32 as a 16, which is like, eh. Fine. Whatever. Fine. Performed to seat expectations, yeah. as, as, would say, as one would That's say. That's true. That's true. So that washes out to about an average season. Now, obviously, you have the ones that are clearly better, which 17-18, 15-16, the final four year, 0809, 5 11 11-12. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, 16, 17, and 14, 15 are clearly better. Yeah. The bad seasons were his first three where he made the NIT 
three seasons in a row as which, he was building which, the program. Which, by the way, quick interjection here. It's very fortunate for Jay that he was hired at Villanova in the early 2000s and that he was hired by a patient program or a patient school like Villanova. If you hired somebody now and they got into a major program and they had three years of right around 500 and NIT is your best, you're probably on your way out the door. I would say a program, even even if the weakened stature that – and I don't want to talk shit about Steve Lapis, but the yeah. weakened stature – that Steve Lapis let it, left it in after the Massimino years. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't last very long if you make it. Th- Absolutely. If you make it three years as the NIT, and Father Dobbin was rightfully patient. He was um, with 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 Jay in that period. Yeah. But anyway, I cut you off. Continue. Yeah, yeah. And then and then obviously the worst year in Jay's tenure was eleven and twelve, where losing season, no postseason. To talk about and just one of the worst years ever, and cause actually the rebuilding process as Dana O'Neill has oft written, <laughs> yeah, it of of focusing on different type of recruit and the whole nine yards, and we don't have to go into all of that. So those years are clearly better or worse, and then we got a handful of years in the middle that are worth analyzing relative to this year. We have a couple that we're pretty certain are better. 0405 was the Sweet 16 team. That was kind of, and, and this is where you get into when you're talking to fans, meaning of a season. Yeah, and I say that with with actual, with that with actual purpose. In that Villanova fans, and it's not just me, it's not just Rob, it's everyone I've talked to, love to talk about what a season meant in the grand scheme of both the program overall, but also in the context of Jay's tenure mm. with the program. I know 405 is going to always be looked back on for all of time as Jay's first foray back into the tournament, the year that we beat Kansas by a bajillion in the snowstorm, the year that we fought tooth and nail North Carolina, eventual national championship to the final whistle with the travel call with Allen. This year is always going to be remembered very, very fondly. Mm. And rightfully so. Truth be told, at 24 and 8, Roughly a similar record to our 26-10 and 10 current edition of the Villanova Wildcats. Weird. And they got a five seed and made it that extra round. Yeah. This team got a six seed and fell one round short of that. But this team had the Big East Championship regular season and tournament. Yep. Now, I agree. The 04-05 season I still put as clearly better because of the overall meaning of the season because what happened when you walked out of that 0405 team you said wait till next year everybody's coming back yeah everyone's coming back we're gonna make it we back. got screwed yeah. yeah we got screwed we're fired up we're coming in we got the whole team back sumter's coming back etc the whole nine yards. we got bill rafferty for hoops mania yeah yeah <laughs> right and then that team went on and made the elite eight Obviously dealt with unfortunate inju- injuries. Jason Frazier was injured the entire year. Curtis Sumter never played because of uh, because of re-injury on that part. And so you go back to that year and you still think, though, because of the way 05-06 turned out, you say, man, that team was special. 0405 yeah. was an important year for Villanova basketball. Right. 13 and 14, again, has a similar feel to it. First year of the new Big East. A lot of wonder. What's going to happen? We beat Kansas. Common theme. Mm, There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We beat Kansas in the preseason tournament, then beat Iowa, and then 
rampaged through the new Big East, got ourselves a two seed, and now you feel like, okay, you know what? Maybe this new Big East thing ain't so bad. We got a lot of excitement, etc. You lose to eventual national champion, UConn, and you look back and you say, okay, well, that team's better. We won the Big East championship. 29-5 and is a great record. Got a two seed. Fell short of where we wanted to be, but you still felt like, ah, okay, I can exhale. The program's going to be fine. Yeah. And then you get into, and I'm going to bring up another one where we ranked about the same or maybe a little bit above, and it depends on who you ask, the 09-10 year. And this is a year that, like, is going to be a lightning rod for most people. Mm. On first win, you immediately, when we were talking about this, said, oh, yeah, 09-10, worse than this year. Yeah, for sure. When you look at the results, 25-8, and eight, roughly the same record as this year. First-team All-American, Scott Reynolds. Had a first-team All-American in Scott Reynolds. Graced the cover of Sports Illustrated yep. like he was the real deal. Yep. Two-seed in the NCAA tournament and flamed out in the second round where we lost to St. Mary's. Womp, womp. Right. But you immediately go and put this that team behind this year's team. Yeah. And yet, when you actually take a step back and look at it, that team was better. Which is kind of crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. But if you go back and look at it, this that team was better than this year's team. The difference is then, then you start to get into this storytelling, right? Of right. Like, so what did 9 10 lead into? 10-11. Yeah. Not much. Yeah. And no. that team is not in one of the worst seasons, but 10-11 led to 11-12, which was. Yeah. And so the entire – so I think the fan base compartmentalizes 0-9-10, 10-11, and 11-12 as all like these kindred spirits. Yeah. Whereas with the benefit of hindsight, looking back eight, uh, 10 years, 8 years, 9 years, I can't do math. But when you when you look back on it, you say, oh, that 0-9-10 team was uh, actually – Pretty damn good. Yeah, absolutely. So then the question is, yeah, so so we said, so given all that, this year's team, we think kind of falls within the middle of that, but point being, we need to see how this plays out over the next couple right. of years right. to actually take a good view on what does this mean. My argument is actually a little bit different, and my argument is such that we can do this year-on-year year ranking, how does it stack up? If we actually want to think of ourselves like Duke right. and like Kansas and the teams that call themselves Blue Bloods, yeah, we can do this cute year-on-year ranking. Or we can just say, no, this is Jay Wright's fucking program. This was a year. It happened. We're going to sit back five, ten years from now and be like, yes, this was a nice year. We've added two national titles, and this is just part of the story. Right. Like, right. I don't I don't necessarily, I've gotten to the point, and we've gotten so spoiled, great problem to have, that I don't necessarily need to do a year-on-year ranking anymore. I feel like a few years ago, you always needed that annual validation. Are we moving in the right direction? Right. Are things going to turn out okay? There are always question marks. Is this the real deal? Is Jay for real? Is the program for real? What does the Big East mean? Those, well, we can get to the Big East in a minute. But... Those questions to me have largely been answered. This is simply a year we can look back, we can enjoy it, we can take it for what it was, and we'll understand how it fits into the bigger picture in the future. But I'm at the point now where I say, look, this is Jay's program. So I get that point. And I largely agree 
Although I still think that Villanova fans like to do that exercise. Fair enough. But I'm pushing the Villanova fans to think differently. You want to talk about yourself in the likes of Duke and UNC? Then you got to think about this program differently. Right. That's a hot take for everybody. Yeah. I, you're fair. It, you raise a valid point. The only thing I would say is that what happens five years from now if we kind of go back to where we were, I don't know, 0910 time or or like those 06, 07, 07, 08 years where uh, you kind of fight your way into the tournament, you have a nice record, you, you maybe make it to the Sweet 16, etc. What are we going to look back on this season and and think of it as, like, was that the conclusion to, like, the, the epilogue, mm. if you will, is it, to yeah, the is championship it the golden era? Yeah, 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 the epilogue to the golden era, or is it... Or or is it the the start of the downfall? Like, what what, what I mean to say is yeah. is that is that even with your point, I get that, and I want to look back on this in ten years and say, yeah, this was just another year in the long and storied history of Jay Wright at Villanova, where we just win a lot of championships. But I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong to ask the question about where this team fits because I do think that there's a lot of anxiety across the fan base. Like we talk about this podcast yeah. as the fans take on Villanova basketball. Absolutely. And some of that means like echoing the thoughts of the fans. Yeah. And some of that means trying to right size the thoughts of the fans and kind of have a better look on it. And I think you've done a good job with that. But it's it's interesting though to like when you boil it down, it's like this season matters in the grand scheme of things, because of what we just accomplished prior to it, and because of the roster, you know, turnover that's that's happening now, and where we're going from here. Yeah, so I think it's a I think it's a really good point because there are what I'm pushing for is if we want to think of ourselves as one of the couple programs, and there are only really like three programs that have really a multi-decade sustained level of excellence and that's duke that's kansas that's unc and kentucky really like that's pretty much it right yes. in, in the recent era you're absolutely right there has to be a continued level of excellence for that and that continued level of excellence doesn't necessarily have to be a na- another national championship in the next 10 years it doesn't have to be because kansas won in 08 prior to 08 they hadn't won for decades prior to that right yeah. And they're still thought of as, as that type of program. So, yes, we absolutely have to be in the Elite Eight, in the Final Four conversation. It doesn't require the national titles. But, yes, it has to be a continued view of getting to that top tier of postseason performance. I would argue that not only that, you have to be expected to do that. Yeah, yeah. that's Going good. into it. Yeah, and, and, if, and if that changes for any reason and we just fall off and we're not able to get back to another Final Four for 10 years, then people will probably think differently about the program and probably look back and say, yes, there's a bit of golden age, if you will, because reaching two national championships and winning two national championships in three years is such an anomaly that not being able to follow that up isn't isn't a crime by any means, but it allows you to clearly say that was the pinnacle, that was the golden area era, and they may not be able to reach that again. Right. 
we wondered the same thing after 08 09 mm-hmm. when that 09 10 season happened. Yeah. And we wondered to ourselves, okay, we said to ourselves, well, it was a two seed. That was a pretty damn good year when you look back on it. But when you thought of like yourselves as like, you want to think of yourself as this Final Four team with this reload and like yeah. all this other stuff, like that fan base had, especially with the start that team got off to, our fan base was like, let's go. Like, yeah. like we're going to make a Final Four again. Like, this is going to be fucking insane like, for sure like and then we, we we had the deliverance so to speak but important to remember where we are as a program even after these two national championships is still a year is still like if you were to stop at the world were to end right now yeah right thanos snaps the fingers <laughs> right and 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 you say where are we right now you would say okay well we we peaked at the right at the at the last possible minute sure right and that was that was the peak of the program, clearly bar none, right? No question. Yeah. So like we are in this living in this world of at this peak of this world. So it's fair to ask the question like, are we going to fall from this peak? Yeah. And I or think is it a or have we just reached a new level? Have we leveled up? And I think the answer is unwritten. It's unwritten. It's unwritten. <laughs> it's unwritten. We don't know. And the answer why and, and when you when you dig into why we don't know. There are reasons for that, right? So one is, and I want to start with, and we, we've teased it a couple times, is roster construction. Yeah. Tim Delaney is gone. Tim Delaney has gone. He's What's going to happen? Back. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It is. It's a shame. Although I will say, Tim Delaney going to Adelphi. Thank you, Tim, for all the contributions to the program. But going to Adelphi is important because I have long said – we are only a little bit away from Tim Delaney at Murray Hill Bars in hipster outfit, chilling out, hanging out with the buddies, drinking Bud Lights. It's pushed back a year now. No. He's in Adelphi. It's on Long Island. He'll be in Murray Hill <laughs> on the weekends. We're going to see Tim Delaney. I love it. I Tim love Delaney, it. if you listen to the podcast, thank you for being such a valued member. If you want to go out and get drunk in Murray Hill, I will buy you your first Bud Light. I love it. I'm Period. sure he's never had a drink before in his life. Yep, never. Yep, absolutely. But you heard it here first. Anyway, back to roster construction, yes. But you have now the exit of Booth and Pascal, which, again, thank you, but I think we're going to – I want to separate them out and okay. talk about them at the end yep. here. And then you have a fair amount of question marks. <laughs> yeah. Right? What's – Colin going to be? Are we? Did we see Pete Colin in terms of his career at Villanova, or does Colin have yet another level to his game? Unless we jinx him, hopefully he does. Yeah. <laughs> Jermaine Samuels. Mm. I want to look back. This his story is unwritten. He became the X factor this year, but when you're an X factor, that means you're a question mark. Yeah. Right. No, I, I will say the one thing about this is earlier in the season, you made a great analogy, like of Jermaine's possible progression to that of Dwayne Anderson. Yes. And I feel like the step up we saw in confidence and ability in Jermaine at the end of the season was akin to Dwayne's junior junior year. year. Yes, absolutely. So potentially a year ahead of that comparison. Right. I don't know if he's quite there, but definitely saw a lot of shades of that. So I feel great about that. Right. Yes. Correct. And you want to see that confidence coming in. And I, I will say, like, he was obviously super emotional at the end of the Purdue game. He actually had, like, a relatively solid game. Yeah, Harms, like, crushed him on the boards, but Harms's, Harms' arms are very long. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and, and just to be clear, Jermaine's not a five. 
Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's absolutely playing out of position, similar to Pascal two years ago. Right. Like, yeah. So, anyway, that was it was great to see. Like, he's obviously shaken up, and Jay said the team's obviously going to be looking him looking for him to play a leadership role next year. I'm right. excited to see it. Yeah. Like, what? So, like the attitude, everything he'll bring to the table is going to be awesome. Right. So, the question mark, though, is will we get Dwayne Anderson senior year in Jermaine Ooh. Samuels next Ooh. year? Yeah, yeah that would be that'd nice. be sexy. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that'd be real good. Get excited. That'd be really good. Thanks. Or is Jermaine going to have another year where he kind of falters with confidence at points mm. in time and struggles with that element, and now asked to be a leader after kind of having to build his confidence from scratch, kind of in this own season, right? So, like, there's a question mark there. I have expectations. I have thoughts on where we can go. But it's a question mark. It's unwritten where, where we're going to look back on Jermaine's year this year and say, what was it? Was it the stepping stone to greatness? Yeah. To the next Hart, Hilliard, Bell, Anderson like parade of excellent shooters and slashers and, yeah. and wings in, in Jay's history and those you know shooting forward type wings in, in Jay's history? Or is it just like a couple flash in the pan and he never hits that next level this this is we don't know yet yeah Sadiq Bay. hey baby hey baby we loved him great as a freshman like right like I think everyone feels confident that Sadiq Bay is going to be a big part of next year's team I don't think anyone has doubts about that yeah does he have a sophomore slump mm. is does he does he become an does he become a lottery pick yeah, Be- high high variability. High variability is a question mark. I feel great about it. I feel, I feel great about Bay. I, yeah. the, the the player who I feel most solid about next year is Sadiq Bay, but it's still like, was it a freshman flash in the pan or was it not? Like it's question marks. So we got we. I think the story on Bay though is probably one of the most solid this year in that he was the the freshman that stepped up amongst the team that did it. And yeah. so with that, let's talk about the freshman. Yeah. Right, Javon Quinterly is an unwritten story as of the day of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, Jay, by the time you listen to it, it might change. <laughs> yeah, Jay, Jay had an interesting interview with the Inquirer. With the Inquirer, I think it, I think it was, yeah, yeah. or at least the Inquirer was quoting him. May have been in, in one of his post games recently, where the question came up: What is Javon going to do? And Jay made some comment of something to the effect of, "You know, we'd love to have him back." He needs to have this conversation with his family, which is interesting in and of itself that Jay is already putting it out there and being very candid that there are conversations happening about whether he will or will not be with the program. My take, to be very clear, as a Villanova fan, as a Villanova alum, I want JQ back next year. Same. And I tell you why. I want JQ back because, one— it will be an amazing story. Two, I think it will allow him to best realize his potential. And three, selfishly, it's going to be great for the team. Like, I want to see this turnaround. And the comparison was made, I think, in the article to Kyle Lowry, where Jay's already said in the past he almost kicked Kyle off the team his freshman year, right? And so, like, Jay's dealt with tension before. And obviously, it was simply the springboard for Kyle to have this amazing NBA career. And... I don't know if that potential is the same for JQ, but with the team and the roster we have coming in next year, it's going to be fun for whoever is our point guard. Right. There is a lot of talent 
and there's a lot of athleticism on that team. Right, and the point guard's been going to be given the keys and say, hey, make it happen. Yeah, like as much as I... I love Colin, and Colin did a great job. Colin is best playing off the... He's most effective playing off the ball. So far, yes. Yes. No question. So, like, I'd love to have Javon at the one, Colin at the two. We can talk about Antoine at the three, maybe Bay at the four, whatever. We don't need to get into the total no, we don't need to get into roster the, at this point. Yeah. Point being, there's a great opportunity here. Right. And I'd love to see him back. I'd love to see him come back, embrace it, work his ass off, put on a little bit of weight, and just dominate next year. Yeah. And wholeheartedly agree... I want JQ back for all the same reasons. But for everything we just said, it's a question mark on this year. The biggest question mark, probably the emblematic story, aside from what happened with Booth and Pascal and winning the the Big East Championship and all of that stuff, is the JQ enigma of this year. Yeah. Right? It's like the player who played like almost the least is like one of the fans' biggest question marks going forward. Yeah, this is... Yeah. And it's emblematic again of the unwritten season. Is that is that this season's story won't be fully understood for a little bit of time? Yeah, right. And people say, well, every season's kind of like that. Not not true. Seventeen eighteen ended, and that was like <laughs> we're done. It's an all time great. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we're yeah. good. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so not every season has this type of question marks coming out of it. Yeah. Um, Cole Swider is another person whose season was like. You felt like it was starting to write a story after that Providence game. And I don't mean the one in the Big East tournament. Yeah. I mean the one at Providence. He yeah. exploded for 10 points. Like, had a great game. Shortly thereafter, hurt his hand. Never fully got back into the rotation. I think you put him and Slater in the same conversation. It's similar. A lot, of, a lot of potential. Didn't get much playing time. Swider obviously got a little bit more than Slater. But... You just don't know where it's going to go. They have all the tools, it seems, to be able to be major contributors. And I'm so excited about Slater's athleticism. Like, right. whoa, it just gets me going. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> um, but, yeah, big question marks there. We, we don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be next year's yeah, going right, to be fun. Right, next year. But I'm not even talking. I'm talking about this year's team. Yeah. And, like, what it means is, like, it's just, like, question mark after question mark after question mark. Not necessarily bad. You're just left with this, okay, what will this season mean? Because if the next few seasons fail and those players progress nothing, people are going to look back on 18-19 and say, we should have played them in that season. Yeah. I view that season now way more negatively than I did right. up front because we didn't get those players the playing time they needed to be ready now. Yeah, is this is this the transition to the next phase of greatness or is this the transition for Dana O'Neill's next set of pieces of the second dark time in Jay's, in Jay's coaching career? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and so, without that knowledge of, like, you know, there's a couple players here and there they point to, and then you tack on Jay's maybe crowning recruiting class of his, at least on paper, easily of his tenure at Villanova, and you ask, what's going to come of that? Right? Do we have one and duns? Do we have do we have do we have two and duns? Do yeah. we have what are these players gonna be? Is it is it JQ point two? Like where where these guys can't find their way onto the court for some reason. Yeah. What's going to happen? And and eighteen nineteen is is really like we've talked about this before. Is it epilogue of the golden era? Is it prologue of the next era? Mm-hmm. Is it an intermission of yeah. sorts? 
we don't we, 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 we don't just know. don't know where we can put 1819 in the pantheon of Jay's years precisely because of the very reason that this team's story won't be written until we get more answers going forward. Yeah. So tune in three years from now yes. where we'll give you the answer. To yes. This. We will come back to this in a couple of years <laughs> and we will tell you, now we know, 1819, top five. <laughs> Which, sorry. Never, never going to happen. Sorry, but. quick side note. Um, while we're talking about looking back, I did see on Reddit today, today is the 10-year anniversary of us smacking Duke in the tournament, yeah. which was a great reminder. So think back 10 years ago where the program was to where the program is today, night and day. Hopefully we'll look back another 10 years from now and say that was just the first phase. Yep. Yeah. I love it. All right, should we go on to the next topic? So the next thing that we wanted to hit on was the Big East. So again, in the unwritten story of Speaking this year. Speaking of unwritten, geez, yeah, yeah, Is the Big East. And I think what you're getting at with this is, to be clear, in the new Big East, Villanova has more than carried our fair share. Correct. And there was obviously a huge question going into the new Big East of, can this conference remain relevant and be able to achieve success? Villanova has has been basically the only program to answer that question definitively. Everybody else, and I would argue the conference as a whole, is a bit of a question mark. I would say, if you were to ask me before last, before this past season, yeah, the answer would have been definitively yes. I cannot believe how successful it really has been. Largely attributed to our success. Yes. Right? To your point. But I would say still, as a conference... Multiple, like five, six teams in, mm-hmm. like a lot of teams in the tournament. You got Xavier, who's danced to the second weekend a couple times. You've had some good contributions from those, uh, like those, uh, what did I say, the other three, the Xavier, Butler, and Creighton teams that came into the conference that rounded it out. You had, this conference is overperformed, at least to what I expected going in. Yeah. But now we are at the point, because Villanova's a question mark, and because Villanova's been the one carrying the banner so bravely, I would guess you could say, is <laughs> is is that now you put the whole question mark, the unwritten story of the Big East Conference, all back on the table. I think so, because yeah. Because what's going to happen? I think that's right. And, and to be clear, I don't want to – I can't remember who the writer who is who always did this. If you take the two national championships off the – If you take the two national championships off the title – off the table – you only have two other programs aside from Villanova who have made the second weekend. Right. Which is a fair point. So I think we're, we're saying the same thing here. We need to see a broader level of sustained excellence. More teams not only getting into the second week, getting into the tournament, but then getting into the second weekend. And it needs to be broader. It needs to be the teams that historically were good and haven't stepped up yet. Georgetown, Marquette are teams that have, st- even this year, have still taken a net step down compared to where they where they were prior to the new Big East. Xavier, Seton Hall have definitely stepped up. Seton Hall, after Villanova, has stepped up the most. And when I say step up, again, relative to where they were prior to the formation of this new era of the conference. Right, and and for any of our listeners out there being like, what the hell are you talking about, Seton Hall? Think about 10 years ago, 
what you thought of Seton Hall. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't. No, indifference. It was like, oh, that's a win in, in the column when you look at the schedule. And right. you just moved on. Correct. Now Seton Hall is talked about with some level of prominence, prominence and is absolutely a date that you circle on the calendar every year. 100%. Yeah. Seton Hall has carried their weight and then some as to where you expected them to be going into this conference. What Trenton makes, the world takes. Boom. Boom. And Kevin Willard's a big reason to thank yeah, for that. And absolutely. I would say Providence, to a lesser extent, has yep. also done the same thing. Yep. Again, what do you think 10 years ago? The only thing you ever thought is that the dunk is like a vortex of weird shit that happens there. I can't say I thought about the dunk. So good for you for at least acknowledging it. Didn't even register on my on my mind. Yeah. So... So you have so this season leaves question marks about what this season meant for the Big East Conference, which there's a lot of things to look forward to. There was a lot of youngins in the conference this year that looked like young coaches, young players who looked like give them a couple of times, give them some time to marinate, and all of a sudden we're going to be back. You would right? hope, yeah. But if you start getting transfers out, coaches getting poached, like there's like. 11 SEC jobs that are open right now. Yeah. Right? You start to see that start to happen, and all of a sudden the conference can kind of become a tenny in that it's almost like a proving ground for young coaches who are looking to get yeah. to the next Not level. Not what you want. Not what you want to see. We already lost two great coaches. Right. Yeah, in Holtman and in Mac. In Mac. Yeah. Yeah. And this season, is it mean that Big East is de- doomed, or is it mean that this that, that it's just a, a blip, and it's just like a turnover year? Yep. Could fair well be. Well, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. We are now in a position where the conference and, and Villanova is all in this question mark period. And we are, as a as as a team, as a conference, etc., have done a lot of great things in the recent past. We have a lot to look forward to, a lot of positive things happening. But the question remains is, how will that play out? For and sure. that will inform this year, which is why, again, as I said, the story of this podcast is it's unwritten. A couple of homework points that we need to make before we wrap up here. The McDonald's All-American is happen- uh, game is happening. We got Antoine and we got um, Robinson Earl. It's Wednesday at 7. Should have this podcast drop before then. Yeah. If so, not... If not, you missed it. You missed it. Sorry. <laughs> Too bad. Yeah, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do your own research. Yeah, right. Um, so uh, that's something to look out for. Uh, both players are appear to be electric in terms of their capabilities, and we should be excited about that going forward. Yeah. Um, I think it's only right that we devote a little bit of time to Booth and Pascal. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, like, I, I mean, really, we're, I, I hate to boil it down and be sappy, but I just want to say thank you. Like, if they ever yeah. listen to this, I, wanted, I want them to hear me thank you for everything. For sure. Right? Like, Phil Booth has been, like, I, I, we were talking before is, like, what you compare him to. It's almost like, and I said Derek Fisher, but now it's even better. He's big, bigger than Derek Fisher. Yeah. But, like, almost like that, like, but that, like, consummate team first guy Always there, championship performer. So clutch. Always critical to a team's success, although until only this year, never the never the first the star. Alpha dog. Never the, the alpha never dog. Never the alpha dog that you think of. But I am so glad that about this year, one of the stories that is written about this year is that I'm so glad that Phil Booth got his time in the spotlight to be the guy. And boy, did Phil Booth deliver on that promise. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's uh yeah, I mean, you look back and whether whether the past few years end up being the golden age or simply a stepping stone, Phil Booth is a guy you will point to and say he was absolutely integral in Villanova becoming an elite program. Right. Because without him, it doesn't 16 doesn't happen and 18 doesn't happen. No. No. Period. And if you and if you actually look into that 18 season, when that team faltered was when Phil Booth was hurt. Yeah, it's true. Right? Like, there was other injuries, but really it was Booth. Yeah. Booth's injury hurt that team. Right? In a way that the other injuries didn't hit it to that level. Yeah, it's true. And then when it wasn't there, that team played well all year, yeah. but ended up falling short later on because of that absence. And everyone said, well, man, if we just had Phil Booth this year. Yeah. Yeah, you you and Spellman, to be fair. Yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. very true. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, Phil was a guy who, like you said, took kind of a back seat for a couple years and absolutely had the skill set, could have been the star at a lot of programs, but absolutely embraced his role and can't thank him enough for it. Yep. And then Eric Paschal is like another special thank you because Eric had a very difficult decision. He went to Fordham. Yeah. And had a very difficult decision of where to go and ended up at Villanova. And I don't think any player that I can remember in my time has, other than maybe Booth, has been the emblem of what Villanova basketball means as much as Eric Paschal. And that's saying something coming for a guy who had to transfer into the program and only got to play three years of active basketball in the program. Yeah, and I think what you're getting at is Eric was the A-10 freshman of the year. He was a scorer. Right. He's not, as we learned, and as everybody knew coming in, he's not a center. He's not a five. And his first year of eligibility, he was asked to play the five. Right. And he did it, as far as we know, without complaint. And he looked out of position, and he got his ass beat. And frankly, I think they probably asked him to put on weight because he was bulky as shit. Right. Just to deal with all of the beating he had to take. So he takes a year off, watches the 16 championship from the bench, comes in, is asked to play absolutely out of position, take a beating from guys like Angel Delgado day in and day out, and then finally, last year, start to play in his position, and then last in this year's senior year, get some of that stuff. Well, I want to go back to that 17-18 season, because yeah. how many players would have folded after the way he started to shoot the ball. Oh my god. In yeah. seventeen eighteen. Holy shit. And when yeah. you look back on that season, it's incredible how you don't even think if that didn't season, even think about it. You didn't even think about it. If you cut off that season halfway through, you said that team was awesome, but my God, if Eric Pascal just never shot the ball ever again, I'd be happy. I think it was two for twenty eight or something like that. Something outrageously terrible. Yeah. Right? And to be fair, to be just terrible just based on statistics. Yes. Right, right. Like I'm not like Opining, he was getting. He was getting. I remember the opponents were just not covering him at all. Right, just sagging off. Yeah, you can go ahead and shoot it. (laughs) Now you ask yourself the question: Do we win the national championship in seventeen eighteen with Eric without Eric Pascal shooting the ball? Yeah, ten of eleven against Kansas. Against Kansas, crushed him. Championship performer. Absolutely Right. right in every facet of the word, and again, asked to step up and lead this team again. A team that he didn't choose at the very beginning of his of his college career, as to now lead the team, given the keys to the program along with Phil, and my God, he just did it so admirably. And then 
to boot, like, it's not even getting at his own level of skill, which we were talking about this. I don't know that there is an equal in terms of athleticism in Jay Wright's tenure at Villanova. I think he is, yes, I think he is the best complete athlete to come through Jay's program at Nova. Yeah. And that's saying something. And I think the quick argument is, oh, Dante, and yes, Dante can jump out of the roof. Yeah, Dante, you also point out Lowry was a freak. Right. L- but Floyd. I think the combination of jumping ability combined with the fact that he's a fucking freight train yes. just puts Eric on on that elite level. Yeah. Yeah, you got like a... I, I don't want to fault, go too crazy in NBA comparisons, but you almost have like a... For a college Villanova player. Yeah. Right? Like a Draymond, LeBron. No. Zion. The Zion comparison yeah, is most right. I wish we like, would have gotten him for four years. Could you imagine if he had gotten four years to play broadly in the position he was meant to play at Villanova with Shaq, with Shaq fit getting him in shape? Right. It would have been unreal. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and that said, he's still projected to be a late first, kind of mid second round pick, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Exactly right. So kudos to Eric. Thank you. Yeah. So, again, thanks to Eric and Phil for everything that you did, everything you meant for the program, um, and just the pure class in which you've handled yourselves, too. Asked to sometimes play a backseat, then asked to then get thrown into the, into the driver's seat, um, and a lot of times handling unexpected adversity along the way. And, uh, candidly, I'm... 32 years old, and I feel like I've learned a lot about maturity from just watching those guys play who are 10 years my, um, you know, younger than me. Yeah. So. For sure. All right. Then in terms of where we go from here, in terms of the podcast, <laughs> not unwritten. We know what we're doing. The season ends, but the podcast doesn't. Exactly right. So what we are going to do, though, is we're going to take a break. So this is the season wrap-up podcast for the college basketball for Villanova's college basketball season. Yeah. As we get into April and we get to the uh, starting to talk about the NBA draft and starting to speculate about that and as we get towards starting to think about recruiting season actually for next year's recruits and we get into um, all of that process after the national championship is done, etc. And hopefully UVA or Gonzaga wins based on what we just said. <laughs> Uh, but after that, all of that's done, we'll we'll be back with the forties, which yes. is our award show. Well, to be, to be clear, we're not going to wait until like the fall for the forties. It'll be coming in the next few weeks, right? In yeah. April is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, deeper into April, we will be doing the forties, which is our awards program for the season that has been. The point is, we hand out theoretical bottles of malt liquor. To players, coaches, fans, whatever we decide, we just make up the awards and we give them out. <laughs> yes, right? exactly. And and candidly, we're probably, as we're recording that podcast, probably not going to know all the awards that we're going to do. We're just going to make up shit and go. Yeah. Right? So Definitely going to have an Alpha Dog Award for the year. Yes. Shaq Fit Award. Yes. And the other ones we'll come up with. Yeah. yeah. And we'll see what it is. Open to suggestions. Yes. I like that. Yeah. So I'll put it on Insta a couple times before we do it. What do you want to have as your full as your award category for the forties? I like it. Um, all right, I think that's all we got. I think that's it. I will wait to say one thing. We do have some exciting ideas in mind. We're working on with Nova Insider. Fingers crossed. We have some other things that we're working on. I can't say more than that because it's just too early to tell. Yeah, we'll see. 
but we hope to have some exciting news coming to you in April and May about the future of the podcast. Maybe we'll get in shape this summer. Who knows? Maybe we will. All right. Thanks for listening. Much appreciated. And as always, let's Let's go go Nova. Nova.